Hey everyone, it's Mike from You'll Probably Agree. Uh, today I have my usual co-host Ian Simmons on, where we talk about movies that never got made. Those range from Christopher Nolan's Howard Hughes biopic, to Stanley Kubrick's biopic on Napoleon, to Darren Aronofsky's Batman Year One, James Cameron's Spider-Man, and more. Uh, so, having said that, uh, if you listen to this episode, let me know what episodes that you heard of that never got made that you would have loved to have seen gotten made in some alternate universe because I actually think uh, Ian and I both think that this would be a wonderful episode to continue and do more of Uh, having said that uh, when you listen to the beginning of this episode there's a lot of static and breakup because there was some uh, connectivity issues with our internet so it goes in and out a lot so eventually we had to turn off the video and just use the audio only. And that way we eliminated, uh, I'd say about 98% of the lag that was prevalent in our episode. So just a fair warning about that uh, before you dive in. Also, speaking of dives, I want to thank our sponsor, Galway Bay, located at 500 West Diversity Parkway in Chicago, Illinois. One of my favorite dive bars in the city, the bar that has been promoting my show ever since. So if you ever see my picture holding the beer on the website or anything, that's Galway. They Nolan Patrick Nolan Patrick Rafferty has been amazing. He let me set up my lights, my camera, and basically do whatever I want there. And if you're afraid to go into a bar right now like I am and doing your podcast for home, guess what? You can go on dualdrinkware.com and buy a bunch of stuff from Galway, whether it be coasters or drinks or T-shirts. It's all there. I use a lot of them on a daily basis. They're fantastic. And if you are not afraid to go into a bar, uh, it is pretty safe in Galway. All the staff I know are safe. No, <laughs> that's a great ringing endorsement. But no, it, it is uh, – a great bar to go to. You can play darts. You can play old school video games in the back. And there's a real personable lived-in feel that you won't get from your typical bar where people won't know you for shit. Um, anyways, having said that, I want you guys to enjoy the episode. And please let me know what movies that were never made that you'd like to see get made. Having said that, please enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to You'll Probably Agree. Uh, as usual, I have Ian Simmons from kickingtheseat.com uh, on, and uh, I opened up my big stupid mouth again and opened up an idea for an episode, and uh, we we decided, like, let's do an episode about movies that never got made. That would have been amazing to see. You know, let, let's, let's piggyback on nostalgia, because nostalgia is all we have during the apocalypse, and <laughs> Uh, let's look at the films that could have been, but let, instead of looking into the future, let's just dive back in the past and be the miserable bastards that we are. Um, so what, what interesting findings did you have? Well, here's the thing. And this is the sort of the problem that I have whenever someone asks me like, Oh, what movies have you seen lately? Or what's your favorite movie? I immediately freeze up. Out of that context, I can <laughs> rattle off a million different things, like when oh, no yeah. one cares. Um, so I was thinking, knowing that we were going to be talking about this, racking my brain, and I know that when we had talked about this initially, there are a few that had come to mind, but I drew a blank. I have a few written down that are, uh, you know, kind of alternate universe movies. Mm. Some of them are obvious, um, and one of them is perhaps not obvious or at least forgotten about. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'll start with uh, Yodorowsky's Dune. Oh, yeah. And that, that may have been, I don't know if that was the catalyst for this conversation because we've been talking a lot about uh, David Lynch and Dune yeah. <laughs> you know, lately. So maybe that was it. But you, you saw that documentary, right? Uh, I sure did. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the, the story of. You know, Yodorowsky, uh, back in the, I guess it was the, the mid to late 70s, perhaps even earlier, because he had this entire Bible of the movie he wanted to make. He wanted to make uh, Dune. Mm-hmm. And he got together this crazy assemblage of talented people. I think Mick Jagger was going to do the, either he was going to star or do the score or both. And um, I think he had Orson Welles involved at some point. Um, but watching the documentary called Yodorowsky's Dune, uh, which is a bit of a cheat because it's a movie you can actually watch <laughs> about yeah. a movie that you can't. Um, 
it's you get to see all this artwork and you see all these interviews about people talking about what they imagined for the film and especially with the film that david lynch came out with you just think man what a missed opportunity to see that other thing realized on screen yeah i remember watching that movie and uh two takeaways i had from it was yes this would have been an interesting film it would have been psychedelic it would have been different but i also thought it also could have been a complete joke yes it could have been terrible. as as jodorowsky himself said uh who, who's the guy who wrote dude i can't remember his name at the top of my head the the author the, the yes. novel yeah the author. Uh, i believe it was uh frank herbert yeah so uh, Jodorowsky says in the documentary, I would not follow the original ending. I would rape Frank Herbert and his idea. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about that. I get there's dramatic license, but I guess the ending was like everyone's happy and like, you know, in the, des- in the desert, greenery grows and everything's flowers. And I'm like, that would have been really corny. Um, I think he would have used Pink Floyd for their soundtrack, which is why you hear Pink Floyd in the uh, 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 Denis Villeneuve Doom trailer. Um, which, uh, mm. did you hear Yodorowsky's uh, response to Villeneuve's Doom? I think I did, and it was not flattering. Yeah, it was kind of like, it was a mixture of flattering and unflattering. It's like, it looks good. Uh, but it's extremely predictable, which I kind of agree with. It's like, yeah, this is like all the scenes I've seen in the David Lynch movie. Like this thing, I'm just wondering how this is going to yeah. work for one movie. And they kind of have the same plan they did with Blade Runner 2049, where I think the film's going to kind of stand out as own standalone, standalone film and then make more movies. But Dune has so much exposition and world. It's not like Star Wars where you see the rebel ship, you see the empire, you, you see the empire ship, and you're like, "Oh, got it. Okay, good guy, bad guy." Um, with Dune, there's a lot of information, and I just don't know how that's going to communicate into a two or three hour film. Yeah, I mean, it's it'd be interesting to see, and based on what we've seen of the trailers, it looks like they are pretty much just remaking. Lynch's version with you know updated actors and special effects, which is fine. I, I don't yeah. object to that on principle, but I feel like if they thought they had enough that they could do a franchise, like we have enough confidence that this is we're gonna have enough budget to do you know a trilogy, they could have you know done like a, a Dune prequel, where the Dune movie that we kind of know and love would be the second film, mm. you know, so they could instead of having all of this you know, expository dialogue and opening title cards and characters, you know, just rambling on about, you know, history, we could actually see that history in action. You know, it's very rare that you get something that's as marble mouthed an exposition and have it work. I mean, I think the, the gold standard is probably a fellowship of the ring um, where they deal with a lot of that in montage. And mm. so by the time you get to the actual film, you don't have a lot of people standing around saying, well, the, yeah, but remember the elves did this like 5,000 years ago. And then five minutes later, they stopped talking and, you know, raise their swords. Um, so, yeah, we're not going to get that, I think, obviously. Uh, but, you know, it'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, that's why it would work, maybe, as I love the idea of the prequel. Uh, you could have the prequel and then the Dune film we know and then Children of Dune. Or you could have a mini series, which I think maybe a mini series is kind of like a, a cheap go-to. Like, oh, it needs a lot of information, mini series. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Outside of that, um, one movie I always wanted to see. Um, I'm gonna jump right into uh, my favorite one, which was I always wanted to see Stanley Kubrick's uh, Napoleon. Um, mm. that's a movie he always wanted to make. It was something he was going to make after 2001 A Space Odyssey. But he came up short? Yeah, Sorry. well, ha-ha. <laughs> I'm fucking short, goddammit. No, no. <laughs> but I don't think you're Napoleon short. That guy was like, you could fit him in a box, I think. No, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm like 5'3", so yeah. Well, how tall was Napoleon? 5'3", probably. I don't oh know. wow! Was he like Danny DeVito height? I don't know. <laughs> but Stanley Kubrick's Napoleon starring Danny DeVito—that needs to happen. <laughs> oh my god, he wouldn't remember half his lines. Um, 
No, so that that movie, I mean, Stanley Kubrick was absolutely obsessed with Napoleon. He read dozens upon dozens of books of them. He had like a library full of shelves, like listed in alphabetical order of, of a bits of his history. The way the movie would have been structured was was quite unique. It you would have a narrator, just like a voice of God sort of book narrator, but also Napoleon would be narrating as well. The movie would have been three hours. It would have been an epic going over his entire life. And of course, it would have been shot like Barry Lyndon with natural light. They would have used a 50 millimeter lens, which would have been shot at a 0.9 stop, which is wide open. So then they could use natural candlelight and things of that nature, which he later did in Barry Lyndon. Um, and the, the reason that movie didn't work out was because, first off, you know, budget. And second off, <laughs> there was a movie that came out called Waterloo, and it tanked. So MGM, and that was in 1970, I believe. Or no, no it could have been 1970. Yeah, yeah, it was 70 because 68 Space Odyssey came out. So it tanked, and then MGM backed out of uh, Napoleon. And I, I would have loved to have seen that movie. You know, I kind of understand that from a from a business standpoint. Yeah, same here, yeah. But on the other hand, it's Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, when do you remember when Barry Lyndon came out? Where was that in his filmography? Um, I believe, let's see, because there's space out of the clockwork orange. I think it was after Clockwork Orange. Yeah. So mid mid seventies. I uh eighties, I think, right? No, it could have been mid seventies. I think you're right. Because um uh I don't remember when Clockwork Orange came out, but I think Lyndon maybe came out two to four probably four years after that. Because Stanley Kubrick took a long time with each film. Uh, oh so, sure, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just gonna look this up because now I have to know. Because <laughs> I know 19, no, it must have been 70s because 1980, uh, The Shining came out. Yeah, that's yeah. why that was, that was, there was a splinter in my oh, 1975. Yeah, yeah, there was you go. Uh, Barry Lyndon. Exactly um, mid 70s. Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know that's the thing is I. I don't, I don't know what you feel about Barry Lyndon. Have you have you seen it? I have. Um, to be honest, I don't remember much of the plot, but I remember being engrossed the whole way through, and it was probably through the pictures mise en scene. Uh, to be honest, more so than the 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 story itself. Uh, I'd have to check it out again, but it, j just on the cinematography alone, which I would never really say for a movie, but for something like Stanley Kubrick, it's like that's a movie I always want to see on the big screen. I remember seeing The Shining in the music box, and it looked awful, like mm. the way they shot it. But uh, I had to walk out, honestly. But um, yeah, um, but Lyndon, I would love to see. I mean, you know, if you see something like Space Odyssey on the big screen, it's it's just there's you can never ever ever watch it on the small screen again um i i do feel that that way too um yeah. i think the music box actually showed barry linden years ago and they haven't done it since and especially now because everything's kind of you know shut down they'd be selective about what they show i would that's that's on my bucket list of movies to see on the big screen i saw it it would have been two years ago i think while i had a a, a flu or i was about to get sick i was feeling mm -hmm. under the weather and i watched it just in bed on my laptop and I was, yeah, thoroughly transported. That's a long movie, but, and I didn't just like it because of the filmmaking. I was in love with the story and, and Ryan O'Neill, mm. you know, playing this kind of disreputable, you know, scumbag con man who's just, mm. you know, bewitching the aristocracy and, and also getting thrown out on his ass and kind of coming back. Like he just keeps getting, you know, all these wonderful chances with this terrible luck. And, I, I and I never understood why people didn't respond to that film. It's it's barely even mentioned when people talk about Kubrick. Yeah, uh, I think people. I think maybe MGM was writing backing backing out with Napoleon because I don't think audiences are particularly fond of period pieces. You know, particularly something like you know within the time period that you know Napoleon would take place, which I think. Barry Lyndon took place a little afterwards. So it was like the beginning of the 1800s where uh, Napoleon's uh, basically reign during the, the French Revolution, I believe, was from 18 uh, or 1789 to 1799, if I'm correct. I'm not sure. Well, you'd know more than me. All I know about Napoleon is from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> you know, there is a funny bit uh, about that, that that rings a little true was th 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 there's this behind the scenes story where 
uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick is eating with Malcolm McDowell, you know, during break on uh, uh, Clockwork Orange, and he's eating steak and ice cream at the same time. And McDowell says to Kubrick, why are you eating steak and ice cream at the same time? He's like, well, it's all food. I mean, Napoleon would do the same thing, you know, and that, so maybe that's where they got that from. Maybe Napoleon just enjoyed all sorts of food simultaneously and he would just have ice cream. With well, I also know. Well, I know. And that's the now I want to look that up because there was that scene in Bill and Ted where like, the kids taking the ice cream orders like the kitchen sink and like devours the entire thing and like won't let them have any of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's fascinating. I did you know um who he had intended to cast if he was pre production or whatever before it acts? Uh let's see. So there was a lot of he wanted to cast unknowns to keep the budget down. Uh I think at mm -hmm. one point, but I think this might be a rumor, he wanted to use Jack Nicholson, which what? Uh, I don't think he <laughs> He made a joke that he was going to cast Al Pacino at one point. I mean, Pacino would capture the the short thing. So, but I don't know. I just and, you know, I yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I say I could see Pacino doing that because be in the 1970s, like Godfather era Pacino, he's not the the howling scent of a woman Pacino. That you know. I'm not saying it would be perfect. I'm saying, again, we're talking about alternate universe movies. I would watch that movie. Yeah. Uh, let's turn off the video for one second because we're getting a lot of lag. Yeah, I mean, Pacino back then would have been better because he wasn't, yeah, he didn't have the, like, the, the nicotine didn't uh, completely consume his lungs at that point. So, <laughs> he, yeah, it, it, you know, you would have probably had uh, an Americanized version of Napoleon because I don't think the movie would have been spoken in French and I don't think they would have had Pacino do some bullshit French accent. I think they kind of would have done what uh, they did with um, uh, 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 the Valkyrie where, you know, they, they would cast, you know, all these American actors and just use their natural accents. And, you know, it was kind of up to your imagination that they're actually speaking German and all that. Yeah, didn't they do that thing? And I might be misremembering Valkyrie, but where at the beginning of the movie, they'd be speaking German and then the camera would like zoom into their mouths and then zoom back out and they'd be speaking English just to kind of set the stage of like, yeah, we're going to show this for American audiences, but they're technically speaking in the native tongue. Um, You know, I'm not sure. They might have done that. I vaguely remember a movie doing that. That might have been the one, mm -hmm. uh, which I, I, I think that's a brilliant move and, and tom cruise looked just like that guy from operation valkyrie too like if you see the side-by-side -side photo you're like oh my god and like i god, do remember like yeah tom i remember cruise. that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i gotta watch that movie again i haven't seen it and i only saw it once and i remember it being okay but i don't know if i gave it a fair shake yeah you don't need to it's brian singer <laughs> hey 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 Look, brian singer gave us he he gave the he gave us the usual suspects buddy i never saw it <laughs> You've never seen the usual suspects. Nope. <laughs> Didn't oh my gosh. Him. I already know I, the ending. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean the, the the it's a hell of a film. Um yeah. even if you know the ending, it's uh it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean I, I liked X-Men 2 and I liked uh Days of the Future Past. Mm -hmm. that, that was really good. And transitioning over to superhero movies, did you know James Cameron in the nineties was supposed to do a Spider-Man film? I think I had heard that. Yeah. Um, and that was actually, uh, I don't know if you ever watched Entourage on HBO, yeah. but uh, there was um, there was a subplot where the main actor, Vinny Chase, who he, you know, guy who played an actor in Hollywood, he was going to be Aquaman in yes. an Aquaman movie directed by James Cameron and Cameron actually appeared, you know, in the show. <laughs> you know, I do remember them doing an Aquaman movie like oh this would be funny if someone did an Aquaman movie and then eventually Hollywood I knew it was going to happen I'm like Hollywood's going to go to the bottom of the barrel and do an Aquaman so they got Jason Momoa to be <laughs> Aqua bro pretty much you're just like hey dude what's going on and he's got like the big hair and the beard and the muscles and he's crushing a bottle of jet it's nothing like the comics you know he doesn't have that sort of 1950s-esque, like, arty sort of look. Um, not artistic, but A-R-T-I-E, I believe it was, uh, as a comic <laughs> book. Uh, and, 
yeah, I could see why they did that, but it's like, yeah, Aquaman, like that guy. I mean, I don't know if you've seen uh, Amazon's The Boys, but uh, I saw part of the pilot episode. Um, yeah. Oh, some I of you meant... saw Aquaman. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, uh, Chase fish. Crawford. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> no, um, yeah, The Boys. I read the comic series. I just haven't gone back to watch the the whole show. Um, yeah. But no, it's it's funny that you mentioned this because this is sort of related back to what we were talking about. Um, well, first of all, side note on the entourage thing, I loved that, you know, that was one of the big questions because it became a genuine subplot on the show that, oh my God, James Cameron's directing an Aquaman movie. Are we actually going to see what that would kind of look like on this show? And when they premiered the film, there was a scene of like the actor playing Aquaman running down a pier and like starting to take off his clothes and jump into the water, like a la Superman. But then I think the film went out or something like, so we never got to see what Aquaman would look like. But anyway, Uh, that whole thing with Jason Momoa, I, I liked the Aquaman uh, movie, mm. but it is sort of indicative of the problems of the Snyder DC universe. (laughs) And I think the trailer for, Superman, um, the Man of Steel mm-hmm. is one of my favorite movie trailers ever. It's so good. Beca- because it promises a film that we didn't get. Mm-hmm. And that's a movie that I would like to see. Like if the if the hope and the heroism of that trailer were to be made into a film, I would be all about it. But he yeah. really fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Zack Snyder's great at making trailers, not mm-hmm. making movies, but making trailer moments, you know. If you think of the Man of Steel trailer, there's that that wonderful moment where his hand is on the ground. You see the ground rumble a little bit, and boom, he takes off, right? Like, that that's a beautiful shot for a trailer. For a movie, when you put it together with a whole story, it's just self-serious, filled with the most bombastic, head and headache-inducing action I've seen in a film um it's just it's uh, you know and then the 9-11-esque imagery which is completely inappropriate for superman but i have to say oddly kind of fascinating like i i would say like if i had to see uh for all the superman sequels i like man of steel the best just as kind of like this weird like thing you'd see in a museum man of steel (laughs) seems like the kind of movie that people would be talking about that didn't get made but somehow got made which <laughs> that's a great way of putting it because um, it's really like yeah like if you read about it on the internet it's like yeah this is a movie where superman levels half of metropolis and you're like <laughs> they would never approve of that but they did you know <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of like that and on that subject um and this is something there's another documentary made about a movie that didn't get made mm-hmm. which i haven't seen this doc but uh superman with nicholas cage Yep. Um, and there was supposed to be, I think it was John Peters, the producer. Yep. In all the you know, 20 years of drafts of Superman movies, he was obsessed with getting Mechanical Spider in there, which yes. he finally did in uh, Wild, 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 West. Wild West. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that This reminds me, I got to seek out that documentary because just that one still of Nicolas Cage with the long black mullet in the Superman costume, I yes. always wonder what the hell is going on with that. Well, uh, you know, I did somehow run into the documentary on YouTube and oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was legal or not. <laughs> it was yeah. just there. Uh, but so uh, you, you were the man of steel. Ah, oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, the, so the, the, yeah, so you had, it was going to be directed by Tim Burton, right? Uh-huh. And yeah. Tim Burton didn't know anything about batman but that was okay at the time you know i still have i mean that was my exposure to batman was tim burton's movie mm-hmm. um and it basically nicholas cage was cast because he was supposed to be this weird outsider tim burton character essentially and yeah he had the mullet and he had this suit that wasn't like this standard superman suit with the big ass and the red and the blue and all that it was this ever-changing glowing sort of thing it looked like a rainbow was attached to him and it and it was translucent and it was attached to his body and it was bizarre it was just weird like what the hell would this movie been so then when it fell through with tim burton and he had to drop out it went to kevin smith yes which if you've ever seen an evening with kevin smith uh, the, the the story regarding the making of that movie is one of the most hilarious things I've ever heard. 
Uh, it's one of these things where unless you've actually worked in Hollywood, you wouldn't believe this shit would actually happen. But <laughs> it this this happens on a daily basis. You know, Kevin Smith goes over to John Peters' house, and John Peters has like uh has Kevin Smith read the script that he made for him, which Kevin Smith was just supposed to write like maybe a two-page proposal that came in with like a 90-page script. <laughs> and he goes to Peter's house, sits on the couch. John Peters lays down on the couch, puts his hands in front of his eyes, and then he just looks at Kevin Smith, then looks back up the air as if he's making the screen with his hands, and he just says, go. And <laughs> from there, Kevin Smith reads the, the script to him, which would have featured Superman fighting Brainiac, who I believe the main villain was. Mm-hmm. And... What uh, John Peters' advice to Superman was three things, and I'm going to paraphrase him because there's some polit- politically incorrect terminology for this year. <laughs> oh, he said, God. first off, I don't want the suit. He was like, you don't want the suit? Peter's like, I don't want the suit. Too faggy. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Second off. So, wait, wait. I, this yeah. is before they're after the rainbow thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, really? You didn't think the rainbow suit was? All right. But uh, <laughs> and then uh, he he uh, he says, suck it off. He can't fly. It's like, well, the two things Superman's known for is his suit and flying. I don't know how wow. you're going to do a Superman movie without that. And third off, as we all know, he has to fight a gigantic spider. <laughs> so it's like why does he need to fight a gigantic spider he's like do you know anything about spiders no and he's like spiders are the most dangerous in uh dangerous animal within the insect kingdom like, what yeah and that's and john peters is a guy i think he started off as like a hairdresser and then he became like a producer and i think like his family was in the industry or something like that but yeah, so he started off as a hairdresser yet. Yeah, he's fine throwing the F word around. That's yeah, exactly <laughs> like, wait, you're, you're saying faggy and you dress up here. Like, dude, you got you got some insecurities. You got to work out with your therapist there. Well, yeah, I'm not even suggesting he, you know, was closet or anything. No, but, no, like, not just, that. I just mean, just like, like the sensitivity yeah. of like people he was ostensibly like in the industry with. I think That's it was horrible. just a homophobic sort of culture back then you know like when i was growing sure. up in the 90s people were throwing around the f word constantly yeah. right but you know and this is getting into some like louis ck territory like yeah. it didn't always mean that you know yes. uh there i think in the context that peters was using that with kevin smith describing superman's costume it definitely sounds like it was that but you know it's just kind of like how people would call things gay just to say it was dumb yeah you know that kind of a thing uh again it's it's all very problematic and horrible but yeah <laughs> yes S- semantics history with uh with mike and ian <laughs> remember when we used the word gay for lame yeah and then we cut to like that old nba uh ad where someone's like yo that's gay and then they cut to a bunch of guys going eh, eh, eh. using gay for lame is not cool but yeah, <laughs> using gay for lame is gay. <laughs> <laughs> it's faggy. No. Uh, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> All right. Before we get completely canceled, let's uh, get back to Superman. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I'm... I was talking about cigarettes, but yeah. Uh... <laughs> oh god. <laughs> uh, oh. <laughs> but uh, the, the, no, no. So yeah, this Superman movie. I, I, I'm glad it didn't happen. Uh, but then again, Man of Steel is just as bad in a completely different way. Uh, so both would have been fascinating. Well, one was fascinating to see. The other would have been just as fascinating to see. I think people want to do something with Superman because he's such a Boy Scout of a character and kind of boring that you can't do much with him unless you really get the right film. Like Richard Donner did it. But then mm-hmm. after Donner with superman one and two i know he technically well he did direct superman two and then some other guy came in because you know studio drama uh but yeah i don't know like no one could quite lick it after that yeah you know the i understand the boy scout critique but i mean he's been around for i can't do math but something like 80 years and yeah. there's been 80 years of great superman stories in the comics i mean there's there's material to be mined there um 
it's just a matter of translating that to the, the big screen or coming up, you know, finding an executive who will allow you to do something really smart with Superman. I mean, I had heard recently, uh, I think it's just a rumor, but that Henry Cavill was in talks to or had actually been signed for another Superman, like Man of Steel movie, even though like DC has said that they're kind of done with that. I think the Snyder cut business has sort of revitalized interest in that cast. Mm. So I would love to see, you know, no, having learned the lessons of like, you know, with Aquaman to an extent with Wonder Woman and even with Shazam of DC saying, you know, we kind of messed up with that grim and gritty, you know, Superman's an asshole thing. If they yeah. could make a bright and hopeful and again, heroic Superman movie with Henry Cavill, I think yeah. he, I always thought he was a great choice for Superman. They just didn't know yeah. what to do with him. You know, I thought the same thing because Henry, if you see him in interviews and I know people worked on the Man of Steel side, he's like the nicest guy. He's very charismatic. He's a fuck. He's a gamer. This dude's sexy as fuck, and he's a PC gamer. Like, <laughs> no, dude, I, did you ever see Guy Ritchie's The Man from Uncle? No, I, I I've never seen a Guy Ritchie film. Honestly, yeah, but well, yeah. um, I can I can recommend his early stuff. Um, mm. but I can definitely recommend The Man from Uncle, especially if you like Henry Cavill because mm. he's the fucking man in that movie. It's yeah. it's like. It's almost like a like a crazy comedy James Bond caper where he's you know the James <laughs> Bond paired with the you know kind of the dopey American I think with it was uh, Army Hammer if I remember. Oh um, gosh! But uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's one of those fantastic. You talk about movies that never got made. That was supposed to be the start of like a you know, let's do the Man from Uncle too, and then nobody went to see it, so it just got scrapped. And I came out of that movie thinking I want to see more of this. Ah, so on two notes with that. Uh, there was, uh, going back to what James Cameron's Spider-Man would have been, uh, I know we mentioned it and then we talked about other, but James Cameron's Spider-Man, it would have been like, there were two versions. There was like a very sort of like, you know, kitty fun version. Uh, and then there was a James Cameron sort of gritty reboot version in his gritty version. Michael Bean would have been Spider-Man, uh, an older Spider-Man, which I think would have been fucking cool to see you know um and now when was this was this in the 80s or the 90s this is 90s uh this is right before titanic pretty much um because i'm thinking like because i think of michael bean now and like he's fucking old but but i mean this would have been like within a decade of him being in aliens and yeah i that's one of the things i've always wanted to see in a spider-man movie and we still haven't gotten close even though i've been doing these rehashes for 20 years yeah they keep him in high school amen you know what i i they got close to i think putting him in college by the time uh the amazing spider-man movies came out but they only made two of them but i'm like i want to see spider man i want to see someone who's been through some shit yes and you know is kind of world almost like a batman begins stage of life I don't, I don't yeah. care about seeing Bruce Wayne in you know prep school. I want to see him fighting crime, you know, <laughs> on a serious level. Same thing with Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah. I'm tired of Spider Boy, and we we. I think Michael Bean would have captured that sort of maturity, maybe a little bit of a, like he would have been gritty but kind of nerdy at the same time. He would have been perfect. Uh, alternatively, for a younger version of Spider Man. Uh, they would have had Leonardo DiCaprio in the role. This is before they started filming Titanic. Mm-hmm. And I think DiCaprio would have been great. I, I still think he'd be like a great older Spider-Man. You know, he's kind of got that nerdy kind of high pitched voice to him. It, it, it would work with the character. Um, Dick, you know, it's interesting because both Bean and DiCaprio, I could I could be convinced to seeing them as Peter Parker. But I think they both have an edge that you'd really have to have a fantastic script to sell it as, you know, even an older Peter Parker. Because in the comic books, you know, as he became an adult, he still was, you know, not an innocent, but he wasn't like a dark character necessarily. And I feel like there's an element of darkness in DiCaprio and Bean. Mm -hmm. However, talk about geekdom. If you've never heard Mark Maron's podcast where he interviewed Leo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. What? He did? Yeah. I got to listen to that because I listen to his podcast. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was last year. It was right around the time of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because it was literally like right after they had presented a screening, they went back to the green room and recorded an hour with Mark Maron. And DiCaprio was talking about his 
his childhood and how like his parents or his dad, I think was like would trade movie posters and magazines and stuff. So mm-hmm. he grew up like going to different trade shows and like, you know, junk shops and stuff. So he was like a hardcore fucking geek. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. They, they could still cast him as Spider-Man I, unless they want to keep Tom Holland as Spider-Man for like 13 more years and let him naturally age. I which I'd be fine with if we want to actually see Tom Holland as Spider-Man become Spider-Man. That'd be cool. But you know. It would be. And again, that's sort of an alternate series that I don't think we'll get to see because unfortunately yeah. with Marvel doing all their phases, it's like when an actor's contract runs out, they kill <laughs> off the character instead of just like recasting or they'll like kind of reimagine it. Like, okay, now we're just going to, no, Tom Holland's aged out of this thing. Okay. We're just going to start over. Here's another origin story. Here's another 15 year old uh, kid and watch him grow up again. So yeah, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of older uh, or younger Spider-Man. I mean, and th- this movie also would have been edgy in terms of there's this thing where Spider-Man would have done this sort of sexy spider dance for Mary Jane where he's like sort of seducing or hypnotizing her with his dance. Uh, he, there, Electro and Sandman would have been in the movie. Electro would have been like this multi-million dollar guy uh, called Maxwell Dillon uh, who... Um, who's an electrical engineer. He's struck by lightning while working. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, he would have been a filthy rich businessman, I should say, called Carlton Strand. I think I was reading something else. And The Max Dillon character, that was Jamie Foxx in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the nerdy one. Hi, Spider-Man. Ooh, yeah. It was him doing the Ed Nigma character from Batman Forever <laughs> to a T. <laughs> He was, yeah. He, he was, he was, he was like a, a black Riddler in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we had that. And I guess a uh, 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 Sandman would have gone by a different name, and he would have been a janitor who wound up in a sand machine. And at one point, uh, Spider-Man calls Electro a motherfucker in it. Uh, Whoa! Yeah, it's like. Okay, Spider-Man drops the F. All right. Oh, his name would have been Boyd, by the way. I'm looking at my the uh, information here. Mm. But let's see. Uh, of course, Electro ends up kidnapping Mary Jane because Mary Jane always has to be kidnapped. <laughs> um, and I guess uh, Electro offers Spider-Man like $250 million to join like a bunch of like super powered beings and he turns it down. Which that would never happen in real life. You give me 250 mil. Okay, sure. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, I could even see that. Like it it's an interesting idea if you take like an X-Men organization where they're recruiting people, but it yeah. turns out that they're actually recruiting them for evil. Uh, or you get them in there somehow through blackmail or manipulation. And you know, what would a dark version of the X-Men kind of be like? I know there, there's other companies or other comics that have kind of dealt with that material but i don't think really really seen that on the big screen <laughs> don't give zach center ideas uh, yeah. well dude his version of the justice league is the dark justice League. yes <laughs> like... uh, until joss whedon came in and i don't know what happened if, if he was actually because the guy who played uh cyborg said he was an asshole and abusive and i don't know if that's true or not i mean i thought it's like you did the guy a favor his kid died and you know he directed it for him i thought it was a nice thing but you know that that whole ray fisher thing i'm very suspect because yeah. from what i've heard of the stories it's like he keeps saying he was an asshole or he did terrible things but then when he's pressed on it, he's just like yeah he was an asshole and did terrible things like what okay yeah, can you, what do you do? Can help me out a little bit I'm like <laughs> i need dates and names and incidents yeah but um I think like Jason Momoa backed him up on it at one point, but I'm not sure a lot of these websites, this, this stuff comes from is like, you know, comic book bullshit thing.com. You know? Which should be an actual website if it's not. Comic bullshit.com. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, actually, so the two other movies that I had in mind for this, uh, yeah. discussion are actually comic book movies yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i feel like this is the best best uh, genre to visit alternate realities oh, yeah. um yeah. one is uh the dark knight sequel mm-hmm. which i think i'd heard that nolan had quote unquote oh, always God. planned to do what he'd done with that movie with bane and everything regardless of if heath ledger had you know lived or died mm. i don't buy it 
I, I feel yeah. like you're, you're setting the Joker up. He's going to the asylum at the end of the Dark Knight. You yep. can't not use him in the sequel, considering everybody knew at the time what they had with Heath Ledger's performance. Um, yes. And that third movie just feels like a reaction, like everyone's in mourning, but Warner Brothers is like, we need product, we need product, come up with a script, like, let's get something yeah. out in two years. Ticking time bomb, got it. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, I just think that would have been really cool to see uh what they would have done with heath ledger in in another movie even if it is like the the gotham and chaos kind of thing that we got in dark knight seeing him at the helm of that and Mm -hmm. uh, and having to take down batman and having you know batman having to resolve those issues of what the joker did to him in the previous film would have been you know just wonderful yes uh and there was that 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 line in the dark knight where you knew this 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 was going to be elongated process where the Joker says, you and I are destined to do this forever. Mm-hmm. And you it's like you do. Like, yeah, it, uh, the, no one doesn't plan out these sequels ahead of time. But, you know, there's there's sort of the back pocket. Like, you know, if I do another one, you know, this is what I'm going to do. and Or not this is what I'm going to do. But, you know, I know these because they did sign on for three movies. Uh, I don't know if Heath Ledger signed on for two, but I'd be guess. Uh, everyone wonders what that movie would have been like if. Keith Ledger were alive and I, I think I'm wondering if it would have been better than the Dark Knight because it possibly could have been you know if you still had Heath Ledger there yeah and and it would have offered a nice through line because Heath Ledger doesn't show up in uh, Batman Begins but that's the last scene of the film is when you know mm-hmm. Batman takes out the the Joker card that I think Gordon hands him and says I'll look into it Mm-hmm. So it's like this idea of the Joker was in kind of in the first movie. He's really in the second one to have him conspicuously absent in part three is either one of the worst decisions you can ever make, or it's a damn lie. Um, yeah. yeah. I just don't buy that. That Bane was the, you know, the only solution for, for the dark Knight rises. Yeah. It's just, it was just one of those things where you're kind of put into a corner and yeah, yeah. And out of respect and i understand yeah. that because out of respect I, I think it's to his credit and to warner brothers credit that they didn't just recast you know the joker for that mm. um yeah it would have been distracting i think for one um but for the other it's like yeah that was that was his part you can you know retire his jersey as it were yeah that would have been kind of disrespectful they let the right amount of time happen before they did the uh the uh, walking phoenix movie uh mm-hmm. which yeah I, I god i mean i feel old i'm like that was 10 years ago the dark jesus christ you know um with, with that said uh, have you ever heard of darren aronofsky's batman year one i you know it rings a bell but i don't think i knew anything about it yeah what, how far did how far did it get well i think they were gonna film it if let me pull it up here but uh, to give you an idea, Aronofsky was going to make uh, an incredibly dark. Ah, here it is, Batman movie. Uh, he cast Army Hammer uh, as Batman, and mm-hmm. uh, if I were to directly quote Army Hammer here, uh, let's see. The studio was in time with rebooting Batman franchise. Aronofsky actually lost project because of scheduling. To basically give you an idea, Army Hammer said like this movie would have been extremely dark. It would have really made you like understand how someone could be so crazy. You you'd think this guy is insane because he's (laughs) you know it's like who dresses up there's a bat sneaks around at night and beats the shit out of people. And if I remember correctly, Alfred would have been this, this big fat black guy and they would have called him big Al. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, you know, as much as I love Darren Aronofsky as a filmmaker, I, I consider it a gift from the universe that we didn't get that movie. <laughs> yes, it, it was certainly a gift. Uh, I think uh, it would have been too weird because Aronofsky likes to make these psychedelic movies that are uh, sort of one of the, you know, the, the the representation of physical pain put on camera that he does wonderfully well. 
and he's had a few duds. Like I'm, I'm kind of surprised how many duds he's had, honestly, since Requiem for a Dream is I consider that one of the most horrifying, brilliant films I've ever seen. Um, but you know, uh, and Pi before that was fantastic. Uh, the wrestler was great, but then, you know, he kind of started to go downhill with Noah and with mother and they, uh, did. I don't know why, but everyone when I was in film school had a huge boner for the fountain. I just thought it was okay. Like that movie just consisted constantly of Hugh Jackman crying and <laughs> hugging his wife. And we're like, okay, I get this. Where can we go from here? But yes, I think uh, uh, Batman Year One would have been a little too melodramatic and bizarre. Yeah, especially if they're trying to do something like, because that sounds nothing like what they did with the comics, which I recently I read in the last month or so. Mm. That is, if you've never read Batman Year One, that is a fantastic uh, comic book that would have been wonderful to see adapted. Um, but no, as far as Aronofsky goes, I I've actually I think The Fountain is the only film of his that I haven't seen. But I was a huge fan of both Noah and Mother um, because they are so like unapologetically weird. Yeah. But, and I would have, I would, I would watch a Batman Year One by Aronofsky, but I'd go in with a huge heaping helping of skepticism <laughs> based on what you're telling me. Jesus. Yes. Um, and the last, the last movie that I was thinking about, kind of alternate realities, would be uh, Edgar Wright's Ant Man. Yes. Um, if he had oh. uh, stayed stuck with it, because I'm, I'm def, I, there's very little Edgar Wright that I hate, um, but there's a lot of it that I love. And I think seeing his sensibilities in the Marvel universe playing around with Ant-Man in particular would have just been fascinating. You know, uh, Ant-Man's the perfect character for Edgar Wright too. Cause he always does those extreme close-ups in all his movies where the sounds are very exaggerated. So imagine seeing a story of this guy who shrunk down to an ant size with, with, with those close-ups and all this crazy lights and stuff going on. It would have been amazing. And I think it didn't work out because Marvel has, this is why Martin Scorsese criticized Marvel is because it has nothing to do with the movies. It's the, it's, it's the decisions behind it. It's the filmmaking. It has to follow a very rigid structure, a very rigid style where the directorial sort of mise-en-scene from everyone is indistinguishable from one another. So it all feels like it's part of a connected universe. And I think Edgar Wright would have been stylistically too extreme for them, you know, because they weren't making individual movies at that point, which is why they ended up giving it to Adam McKay, who, you know, worked with Paul Rudd on Anchorman. And, you know, they did an okay job with it. But I think if, if Ant-Man was his own thing, it would have been pretty amazing to see from Edgar Wright. Yeah, and that's that was sort of my beef with Ant-Man, which was, again, I thought it was a great trailer, particularly that scene with the, the Thomas the Tank Engine, where ha. he's fighting the, not the Wasp, but whoever, the Yellow Jacket. And it's like this big dramatic thing with the train coming, and then it cuts back to the, the kid's <laughs> bedroom. And it's like just this little Thomas model yeah. uh, falling over. That stuff is is wonderful, but the story itself was so pedestrian. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it's like every Marvel movie we've seen. And aside yeah. from the special effects and some of the humor, which not all of it landed, uh, I was like, I, I could take this or leave. I actually liked Ant-Man and the Wasp as a sequel better than I liked the original Ant-Man. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm trying to even remember. Did I see Ant-Man? I think I've seen Ant-Man and the Wasp, but I didn't see Ant-Man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You made the right choice. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of like, eh, I'd rather see Edgar Wright Ant-Man because at that point it was just so ubiquitous with the word Ant-Man. I mean, I love the ads they did. I love the one where it was, it was just so random where you had Michael Douglas and uh, uh, <laughs> I forgot his name already. Um, and Ant-Man. <laughs> Paul Rudd. <laughs> Paul Rudd. Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, 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 you know, clapping their hands against their knees and they're going ants, <laughs> ants, Ant-Man. <laughs> and they just cut to it. You're like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> it was great. It was great. Yeah, I mean, the, the marketing, uh, the, the, the poster for Ant-Man was great. It was just like a white poster with the Ant-Man logo on top and like a little bitty, bitty Ant-Man down at the bottom. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just, it's fun. And that that creativity was pretty much lacking from the film. And unfortunately, Ant-Man is one of those generic kind of Marvel introduction movies where 
you could you know make up a synopsis based on the other marvel movies that you've seen and get it like 95 percent right <laughs> yeah well you know uh having said that uh, to go back into uh, the Christopher Nolan universe, uh, I think this was mm. the precipice of this whole conversation was Christopher Nolan was going to make a movie about Howard Hughes. Yes, that's uh, where this came from. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, so basically, he wrote this biographical genre about the billionaire tycoon. And uh, this was after uh, Insomnia. Uh, and basically... The script for his huge biopic was, uh, as Christian Nolan said at the time, the best thing he had ever written. Uh, mm. And pre-production got far along enough that Jim Carrey circled the role of Hughes, which Nolan said Hughes was the role that Jim Carrey was born to play. And the project died once Martin Scorsese's aviator took flight uh <laughs> and uh from there uh christopher nolan and i think it i think it worked out for the best because because that movie didn't work out christopher nolan did batman begins which led to him becoming a household name which uh i, I remember him during the memento days where i was like oh man i hope this guy becomes famous he's fucking incredible and then once they announced Batman Begins, which was sort of a Batman movie I had in my head, I swear to God, before it came out, I said it would be amazing if they made a Batman movie about, you know, how Batman becomes Batman. And if it starred Christian Bale and directed by Christopher Nolan, I swear to God, I didn't make this up. But I sound like <laughs> Trump saying that, like, I, I swear to God, it's true. But Everybody knows it. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows it. Everybody knows they're not lying. Which I saw the corny <laughs> effect last night. Oh, God. Um that's another the what story. the Comey effect. I call it the corny effect. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was the the Trump movie with um, Brendan Gleeson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he plays like this this version of like and like he plays it as if Donald Trump is a mixture of Marlon Brando and an evil leprechaun with a <laughs> Batman voice. It's just weird. <laughs> He just started like, hey, don't chase me as fairly as I'm like, Jesus. Look, I hate I, I I hate Donald Trump too, but my God, is he gonna like just take out a knife and stab James Comey in the scene? Like, what the fuck? That's awesome. I, I kind of want to see it now. Yeah, just skip to the second episode. It's just, you don't need to see the first one. Uh, oh, it's a but, series. I thought I thought it was a movie. I, I don't have HBO, so it's, it's a mini series. It's two way. Uh, it's on Showtime. It's like two. Oh, show. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm not a cable dude. Yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. Uh, I got it through my Amazon Prime, but yeah. Wait, you can you can rent it? Yeah. Uh, oh it was well. Free with my Prime. No yeah. way. Okay, that now I can now I can watch it. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to imagine what that movie would be like. I can actually or the TV show. I think I paid for Showtime way back. I'm not sure if I still pay for it. I paid for it to see Twin Peaks season three. Mm. So yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, how do you think that Howard Hughes movie? What 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 do you think it would have been like? Because we always talked about it, scratch the surface. I, I'm I'm curious to see what he means by how Jim Carrey's born to play that role in a way I can kind of see what he's talking about. And I'm pretty sure Jim Carrey kicks himself every day that it, that movie didn't get made <laughs> considering the household name that Nolan is, but you know, well, I mean, Jim Carrey was already well-established at that point. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. Cause that you could take what Christopher Nolan said a couple of different ways. Yeah. One it's that he had seen an audition or had seen something in Carrie's previous work that said, oh, this is this is perfect to what I'm envisioning Hughes as. Or he could have gotten to know Jim Carrey and said, this guy is a fastidious, you know, nut job who keeps his own piss under his bed, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, Not where but, I thought you were going with that. <laughs> no, what, what, where did you think I was going with it? That, that he's he's secretly a really brilliant guy. Well, I think has his own eccentricities and it fits perfectly for that character. Well, and that, that might be true. Um, I just, when you're that quote that you said, just led me down the path of something very specific <laughs> um, other, other than, you know, Oh, Jim Carrey is brilliant and nobody knows about it. I mean, I, he had done a lot of movies where he had different, uh, been able to display different facets of his, his range. Yeah. Um, like man of the moon and stuff like that. And of course, dumb and dumber. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, 
it I'm glad that we got the DiCaprio Scorsese take on Howard Hughes. It would have been cool to see Christopher Nolan and Jim Carrey do something similar, just you know, from a production standpoint. But mm. I I don't it's hard for me to imagine another Howard Hughes after seeing uh DiCaprio do it. Yeah, I think it worked out for the best A because of Batman Begins followed by The Dark Knight and B because I think Scorsese and DiCaprio were the perfect sort of combination for that movie and it I thought it turned out to be a wonderful film. Uh, I would have loved to have seen, I think Jim Carrey might have done a better role than DiCaprio in a lot of ways because really, yeah, because Jim Carrey, as we know, he's kind of nutty like uh, in his roles and off screen, but also he does seem like an incredibly intelligent guy. Like remember when he had that whole mental breakdown, he was telling everybody about how he was in depression and depression is actually depressed and he was actually yeah. right. Cause once he had his deep rest, he kind of reinvigorated himself after that. And that kind of perfectly sums up how my depression goes from time to time. And uh, I think he's a really, I, have you ever seen uh, his, the, the movie about his, his making of man on the moon where he played Andy Kaufman? No, I need to watch that though. He really just get, becomes obsessed with the role. Like he becomes that character and drove everyone nuts. And I, I, I would have loved to have just seen him as Howard Hughes with the whole germaphobe thing and going crazy. Like, I think they're like all those crazy sort of face mannerisms and all that. Like, cause you know, every time you see him in a dramatic performance, you're going, Oh God, don't make a silly face. I think that would have worked perfectly because it's like, that's Howard Hughes. He's, he's, he's a little woohoo, you know? So it would have worked. It would have been fantastic to see. It, it would have been a different take, but I, I yeah. kind of disagree with you. I don't want to yeah. see, I think DiCaprio played it. He just walked that line of understatement versus overstatement. Mm, yeah, yeah. To That's see, true. and I'm part of this was Scorsese, the way that he like that uh, was it the the steak and the fish, and you got to see DiCaprio's like subtle revulsion where he's trying to keep it together because he's in polite company. You know, maybe Carrie could have done something similar, in which case, well, I've already seen it with DiCaprio, or he could have applied, you know, more of that capital A acting, and it would just would have been. I think I would have been sitting there wondering when he's going to slip into the mask territory. Uh, <laughs> and I, you know, I, I have nothing against Jim Carrey. I just, I'm kind of glad with the, what we have, you know, in this reality, the alternate reality, I could be convinced that I certainly would have watched it, but I'm not like pining for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm certainly like, I'm okay with what we had. And, um, I, I, I just really want to see that performance, though. <laughs> like, I just really want to see. Because, like, I don't think he would just be, like, because if you see Eternal Sunshine in the Spotless Mind, he can play subtle and quiet, and he has versatility. I always think yeah. it's easy to become an actor. Well, it isn't. It's easy to become a bad actor. But <laughs> it's easier to be uh, a dramatic actor than it is to be a comedian. You sure. Know, being a comedian is, I mean, I could, I could tell you from, you know, working in comedy for maybe four years, five years now, and then before even working in it, just being involved in it. So roughly 10 years, it's, it's, uh, it's not a, a profession you'd ever want to choose. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I did. I could tell you plenty of comics where I would, just as quickly cast them in a dramatic role as I would with a comedic role because comedy comes from deep unflinching pain, you know, mm -hmm. which is why comics are so cynical. <laughs> well, I, and I don't, I don't doubt that. And I've seen lots of great performances by comics that have been very dramatic. Um, the one thing that got me thinking about this while we we're talking about what if Nolan had done this uh, Howard Hughes instead of Batman, I mean, just think of the ripple effect that would have had Heath Ledger might still be alive. Yeah. Oh and God. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying Christopher Nolan killed him. I'm just saying that that's like the preparation that he put himself through to become the Joker and get to that insane place. You know, he was taking drugs and not sleeping and you know, that kind of like crazy cocktail tipped him over the edge. Uh, and then you start to wonder, well, what would have Heath Ledger, like what would his career have been like, you know, all the, the great performances we would have had. And, damn it i mean on top of that not only the fact would he be alive we wouldn't have had the dark knight <laughs> you yeah. know yep. arguably one of the greatest comic book movies of all time if not the greatest yeah yeah i i think in terms of comic book movies the, the greatest could go with um <clears throat> it would go dark knight and then it would be logan and then 
Spider-Man two. <laughs> you know, this, that's a whole other conversation because I just about disagree with all of those choices, but oh. anyway, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I, I, but I realize I'm a, I'm an, on an Island by myself in that regard. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's, I, I think we, we probably have another six episodes of like movie, like what if oh, movies, yeah. but I think this has been, <laughs> this yeah, has been great. I think we should do another part. I would love to talk about Steven Soderbergh's Lenny Riefenstahl movie. <gasps> I didn't know about this. Dude, you're, yeah. you're going to be my, my guide on all this. This is wonderful. <laughs> all I did was pull up an article on IndieWire, but yeah. <laughs> it's more than I did. <laughs> <laughs> I just typed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, God, imagine that movie. Uh, I actually did a whole thing in college about Lenny Riefenstahl and how really she didn't agree she didn't know like hitler was going around and murdering jews but still you know like <laughs> you're going to his rallies and not seeing something's fucked up and she like tried to have her entire career separate from that and it, it couldn't and that's kind of what soderbergh's Riefenstahl movie would have been and instead he did contagion so i guess either way it worked out <laughs> I would have rather seen his Riefenstahl movie than his movie about Che Guevara. So, yeah. oh, you watched that? Wasn't that like twenty hours long or something? <laughs> That's why I didn't watch it. I mean... oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, um, and Martin but, yeah. says his movie about Dean Martin. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, we got to do another one of these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's more. <laughs> oh, but wait, there's more. You can talk about Stanley Cooper's as uh, Stanley Kubrick's Aryan papers that got canceled because of Schindler's List. Was it supposed to be an Oscar Schindler movie? Uh, it was a movie about a Jewish family in Poland trying to escape the Nazis. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, and, but it's weird because like you could have that as a companion piece to Schindler's List and that that's not it's not like two Oscar Schindler biopics. Like I don't understand Hollywood. Well, I mean, because I think they're kind of this because Schindler's List had that whole like forty minute sequence where you know they're they're they're, uh, they're they're clearing out the Crashaw ghetto, and you know everyone. I think it would have just been that sequence. And people would be like, "Why do we have this scene in Schindler's List? We don't need like a three hour film on this," you know. Right, but Schindler's List was a massive hit. Like, so people yeah. were kind of hungry for that, you know, that message and that kind of take on history. You throw in, hey, here's Stanley Kubrick with his take on the Holocaust. Like, I'm just thinking again. of a, 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 a cynical producer chewing a scar, being like, give me more Holocaust picks. But yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't doubt that you're correct. But <laughs> yeah, that is a reality that I'm glad I didn't have to live through. <laughs> oh, yeah. boy. The glut of, you know, commercialized Hollywood, Holly, I almost said Holly cost, uh, Hollywood Holocaust <laughs> movies. <laughs> Is there going to be a whole episode of YPA? Holly cost, Hollywood movies about the Holocaust. It would be the, the next and last episode of YPA. <laughs> would it be the final solution? Uh, <sighs> oh, <laughs> I was going to say something, but uh, I, I'm not going to. I... <laughs> it's okay. We live in Trump's America now. It's normal. All right. <laughs> oh the new normal gotta love it anyway don't you have to go yeah <laughs> i'm not trying to kick you off i'm just trying to be yeah, my time. own show yeah no <laughs> no it's it's fine i gotta yeah i gotta edit this episode uh <laughs> uh but yes um i think we should continue this conversation because uh, these are fascinating uh for october uh i'm gonna be doing political films which i saw that yeah yeah um you never seen nixon mm -mm. Ooh, yeah check out nixon it, one of the one of the most underrated movies uh that exists out there i think roger gave it four stars roger i think roger eber <laughs> gave it four stars no and that's the thing is i i'm a big oliver stone fan and i you know really dig anthony hopkins and that's yeah. i think when it came out like it didn't do very well and there was not a whole lot of positive things said about it despite you know what ebert gave it but uh yeah definitely check it out so yeah anytime you want to talk nixon i'm your man yeah i think i think nixon's the next one for our political month where we celebrate either the revitalization of democracy or the death of it so we'll see <laughs> uh either way it's gonna be a good show oh yeah 
I'm, I'm not talking about YPM. I'm talking about like the, the like the political theater that's, out that's in the outside what I world. Thought, oh God, it was a great show <laughs> on Tuesday. Holy shit! Woo! Oh my God! I mean, to to summarize the whole debate. No, no, no! no shut up! <laughs> Fuck you! <laughs> that's yeah. That you could have saved me an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, all right. Anywho. Well, Thank you so much for coming on. Check out Ian Simmons at kickingtheseat.com. It's kickseat.com. Fuck! <laughs> at kickseat.com. <laughs> I'm professional. Uh, <laughs> no, you, well, even if you Google kicking the seat, you can find it. You know? that's, very, that's very true. Yeah. That, I mean, that's how I find it sometimes when I got to attach the uh, link description. You know, same with YPA reviews. You type in, you'll probably agree. Uh, you know, or YPA reviews, it'll pop right up. So kickseat.com. Uh, he's got a podcast. He's got a YouTube channel. He's got it all. Uh, <laughs> and, and YPA reviews. I got a written podcast and YouTube. And uh, yeah, you could check out our stuff. And uh, thanks so much. Uh, let us know what movies you know about that never got made. Uh, if there is any comments in this. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and we'll, we'll uh, see where we go from there. Because uh, I would love to see what. Because, yeah, uh, we, we kind of got carried away about, oh, what about this one? Oh, what about this one? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, that, that'd be cool, too. Yeah, if people want to comment uh on on what they've always they've always heard about a movie that was supposed to get made but didn't we could do our research and i could actually help this time instead of relying on mike uh, oh, no, <laughs> and, and okay. talk through those <laughs> it's all right don't worry about it <laughs> i took an edible last night and watched a documentary on napoleon but that's another thing but, uh, <laughs> it's legal now okay <laughs> all right I got all right it. sir <laughs> you have a good one all right you too man thank you bye. all right bye